The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. If that's the effort we're going to get tonight out of the Royals, well, then it's time to be brutally honest. First of all, the game wasn't pretty, and a lot of guys contributed to yet another extremely disappointing Royals loss. Welcome in. It's Davo with your dish here on Clubhouse Conversation with Tampa Bay, emerging victorious 4-3 to in a game that felt oh so familiar to Saturday in Cleveland when you had a clear pitching advantage in Game 2 of a series after a nice Game 1 victory and on a road trip where you had to go a minimum of 5-4 and four, but really needed to go 6-3. and three. Well, 6-3 and three is out the window. 5-4 and four is the best the Royals can do now for a number of reasons. Tampa Bay wins this game 4-3. to three. Despite throwing out a pitcher who made six minor league starts this year with an ERA north of six, Jeremy Hellickson, not your three years ago, Jeremy Hellickson. Six minor league starts this year with an ERA north of six for Jeremy Hellickson. Tampa Bay also wins despite a nice six-inning effort out of Jason Vargas allowing two runs. Tampa Bay wins despite 13 Royals hits, 11 of which were singles. 11 singles. Tampa Bay wins because of Alcides Escobar making a completely boneheaded play in the bottom of the eighth. I have no idea what the hell he was thinking. That was just awful. It's the worst play we've ever seen Escobar make. We've never really seen him make a true defensive lapse out there mentally. That's That was just awful. I mean, we'll talk more about it here in a minute. Tampa Bay wins with Billy Butler missing two home run pitches and back-to-back pitches against Joel Peralta in the eighth. That pitch he fouled off. The hanging slider was just awful hanging slider over the middle of the plate. Then the fastball up at his eyes, middle of the plate, flies out, medium depth left field. This is what it's come to with Billy Butler. It's just pathetic. Tampa Bay wins with the Royals starting a 42-year-old outfielder they picked up off of the scrap heap. Despite Gerard Dyson OPSing, out OPSing, I should say, your DH and first baseman. That's right, Gerard Dyson's out OPSing your first base in DH, but he can't get on the field having a career year throwing out a 42-year-old. Just pathetic tonight, and always, it really was a pathetic game for the Royals. And, and like we always say, baseball is 162 games, and we take things series by series here on Clubhouse Conversation. But after a while, guys, as you know, I'm not going to tell you this. You know this already. After a while, when you piss away enough games, enough one-run games, the Royals continue to do that night after night, it starts to become a big deal because one game all of a sudden is five, becomes eight. I mean, how many games this year – how many series and stretches this year have we said the Royals were one game off where they should be? And I'm not here making unrealistic expectations. Going 6-3 and three on this road trip with three against the mighty Twins, three against the mighty Indians, and three against the mighty Rays when you're not facing Archer or Price, expecting 6-3 and three is not unrealistic if you're going to compete. That is not too high of expectations. So first of all, let's get that out there. I have not made unrealistic expectations for this team this year. Sometimes I talk about what if and dream a little bit. That's the Kool-Aid drinking in me. But I do not make unrealistic expectations. This team needed really to go 6-3, and three, but worst case, 5-4. and four. So when you continue to go through stretches one game below where you should be and you have a bad month of May, all of a sudden, guys, when you have razor small margin for error, it becomes a big freaking deal. So that's where we are tonight. But let's go through this one one by one here. So Jeremy Hellickson to start with, at least in the first two to two and a half innings, I mean, he settled down, was decent. I'll give him that. He was decent innings three and four. But the first couple of innings, Jeremy Hellickson had virtually nothing. I mean, I was sitting in my house here in Lee's Summit, and I still have sauce on me from the meatballs he was throwing up there. Everything was straight. 
He struck out just two, which were off the Royals swinging to bad pitches, by the way. They did that throughout the night quite a bit, especially Salvador Perez, who maybe had the worst of bat of his career later on in the game tonight. But, you know, the, the bottom line is this. A guy who, like we mentioned, in six minor league outings had an ERA north of six and never went more than three and two-thirds, or, or sorry, he averaged three and two-thirds, I should say, per outing. And a guy in Jeff Nelson, home plate umpire, solid umpire, but he had a pretty small strike zone. He was not given the corners. With that together, not only could the Royals not hit Jeremy Hellickson, but they walked just twice in this whole game. <laughs> it's just not good. You're not hitting home runs and you're not walking. A, you're not scoring runs. Well, that's just the bottom line. Now, a big part of the continued struggle of the offense is obviously, it's well noted, Eric Hosmer and Billy Butler. But, I mean, it's, it's just getting pathetic. Now, I understand both of these two hitters I'm about to say are left-handed, and only Hosmer is left-handed, but you get the point. They're, they're now reminding me of Hal Morris and Doug Mankiewicz. The Royals essentially have Hal Morris and Doug Mankiewicz playing at first base in DH. It's pathetic. All singles hitters. Billy Butler, like we said, two home run pitches with two on and one out in the eighth, missed them both from Joel Peralta. Just meatballs. Butler now hasn't driven in a run in over eight games. No RBIs, you know, eight-plus games out of Billy Butler. Two freaking home runs and north of 310 at-bats. I mean, it's just awful. If you're going to compete this year, if you really think you're going to win the division or, or compete, you're going to have to get more out of one of the two, and you're, you're probably going to have to upgrade. Raul Labanez, we'll talk more about it, is not the answer. So we mentioned Billy Butler. Now Eric Hosmer has turned into a slap hitter. Everything slapped down the left field line. His last two doubles have been nice little, you know, well-hit balls down the third base line where he's fighting and lunging and covering the outside corner. That's fine if you're Hal frickin' Morris. That's fine if you're Scott Pose. That's fine if you're Larry Sutton. That's fine if you're Jose Offerman. This is Eric Hosmer. This is supposed to be your cornerstone player. This is the guy that Scott Boris told us was at 40 home runs. This is the guy that we were led to believe would be the 35 home run guy, the 30-plus home run guy the Royals need, the guy that's gotten multiple hitting coaches fired, a good portion of that at least. I'm not going to put it all on Eric, but a good portion of that from last year when Nettie Oost went into the year and said we have five guys who should hit 20-plus home runs. We're going for the long ball this year, and that's when we get rid of Kevin Seitzer. Now, I'm not trying to rehash old, stupid, tired stuff, but – the two have combined for six home runs. We're about to enter mid-July. Six home runs. Let's talk OPS between Hal Morris and Doug Mankiewicz. Er, Billy Butler and Eric Hosmer. 667 OPS for Butler. 653 for Hosmer. What's Gerard Dyson OPSing? 705. 705 for Gerard Dyson. 667 for Butler. 653 for Eric Hosmer. Now, speaking of Dyson, he can't seem to find the field anymore with a 42-year-old who hasn't produced in a full season out there. With his 705 OPS, can't even get in the field with this offensive juggernaut team right now. I mean, again, now let's talk about Raul Abanez. I said here a week ago I was for the signing, and I was if he's used correctly, like I said about Scott Downs as well. If used correctly, uh, Raul Abanez is getting two starts a week, I said. And maybe one to two pinch hits a week. There's, there's not a whole lot of places in this lineup where you pinch hit with a lefty because there aren't too many weak right-handed bats in this lineup. So you're not going to use as much as a pinch hitter. But I said two starts a week out of Abanez. Maybe one and right, maybe two, maybe. I was thinking more one and right, one at DH, and a couple pinch hits here and then. That's fine. But he shouldn't be getting more than 10 at-bats a week. He's playing every day now. Dyson's having a career year. Way better defense. It ain't close. Now, like we mentioned earlier, the, the term razor small margin for error. 
you can't throw a guy out there on right who's below average defensively unless he's going to hit. And Abanez, I love you to death. You haven't hit in over a year. What do we have? Five extra base hits last year in the second half. We saw what he did this year in the first half. Yeah, it's a nice home run with the Royals, but again, sample size. But, I mean, Abanez has made some nice catches, you might say. Oh, Dave, oh, he made a sliding catch. That's because he has no range, guys. Lorenzo Cain, you know, there was a play last night that dropped that Evan Longoria hit in foul territory that Lorenzo Cain would have made the play on. Go with your best defense, especially when Dyson's out OPSing your freaking Hal Morris and Doug Mankiewicz. <laughs> I just don't get it. Jason Vargas' battle was good tonight. Not great, but good. Battled six innings, two runs, six hits, two walks, struck out three. Good solid effort out of Jason Vargas. We would like to see more innings, but at the end of the day, you can't bitch about six innings and two runs. He did his job. But one more play to touch on, Bonehead Central in the eighth inning. Alcides Escobar with a brain fart. If brain fart smelled, you could smell that here in Lee's Summit, all the way from Tampa. What a completely boneheaded play. Brandon Geyer, not to be confused with Geyer Fence, Brandon Geyer got a bunt single fine. And by the way, just before we start talking about this, I'm fine with Nedios going to Francis Bueno there in the eighth inning. Totally fine with that. Calm down, guys. Wade Davis is not going to pitch every day. You pitch him tonight, he's not available tomorrow. He can't pitch three days in a row. You also have Detroit coming up. So you don't want to overdo him in this series. He's not pitching tomorrow if he pitches tonight. You're losing. You're not bringing in Wade Davis. I'm fine with Francis Bueno. If you've been watching the games, just because his name isn't sexy, you know that Bueno has been very good this year. So I'm fine with Bueno starting the inning. So bunt single from Geyer. And then Evan Longoria, room service, 6-4-3 double play hit to, to uh, Alcides Escobar, who... God knows why. With Omar Infante standing on second base literally 1.3 seconds before Escobar made it to touch the base. Literally, I timed it. 1.3 seconds, Escobar had the ball before he made it to second when he jogged over there. Infante could have had the ball second earlier. And then, you know, Evan Longoria beat it out by about a step, step and a half at first base. So it was, it was a room service double play ball. No doubt about it. So Bueno really did his job again. If he gets that, he probably gets out of that inning unscathed, most likely. So I'm, don't blame Ned Yost. Nothing to do with Ned Yost. Ned Yost made the right decision pinch hitting for Danny Valencia earlier. The only thing I'll blame Ned Yost for is I don't like Raul Abanez starting this much. But other than that, I'm fine with the whole Bueno thing. But Escobar, that's just awful. That's kangaroo court stuff. I mean, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in, well, you can't say, you know, had the Royals, you know, perhaps had the Royals gotten out of that unscathed, maybe they don't score two in the ninth. Maybe McGee let his guard down a little bit for the Rays. Maybe he would have thrown different pitches. I don't know. The bottom line is the Royals scored two in the ninth, and it looks god-awful when your defensive mastermind at shortstop allowed two runs. And to credit Escobar, that's the first time I've ever seen something that bad out of him. So just getting that out there. Everyone's going to make a mistake. I'm not saying that they're robots. It's one of my favorite phrases. They're not robots out there. But that just that play can't be made out there, Esky. It cannot happen. I mean, you've got a guy standing at second, flip the ball to him. It's not like Escobar was two steps away. Now, maybe Ned Yost, maybe he should have had Kelvin Herrera up and go, you know, try to get that strikeout with a couple right-handed hitters coming up and guys on base, maybe. But again, if Escobar does his job, the only thing I blame Ned Yost for tonight is starting Abanez. And who knows if that makes a difference? That's Who knows? All in all, just an awful effort by the Royals tonight. This is one of their worst five games of the year. I'm not quite as down as I was against the Dodgers. What was that, game two or three against the Dodgers? I forget which game it was. I'm not quite that down as I was that night when Lorenzo Cain lined out to end the game. There was a lot of things in that game that bothered me. But, I mean, the Royals are playing a soft part of their schedule right now, and they're not getting results. Now, tomorrow night's going to be tough. This is eerily similar to Cleveland. Now, I'm not comparing Alex Cobb, you know, to Corey Kluber, but this has a lot of 
a lot of Cleveland written all over it. Game two, big, you know, big, big advantage. You can't do anything. And then Sunday you face one of the best pitchers. Now I understand David Price and Archer are better than Cobb, but you get the point. Ventura and Cobb. Cobb's four and six, four, two, eight. Royals win tomorrow, five and four. Decent trip. Decent and good. I'll, I'll give them good. No, I won't. I'll give them decent. You, you have to go five and four. If you're going to make a competing, you have to go five and four. If you can't, if you can't go over 500 in this stretch, you're not going to make the playoffs. You don't deserve to make the playoffs. Six and three is what you need to go if you're truly going to knock down the door and get into the division lead. Unless you're planning on sweeping Detroit this weekend, which we both know ain't happening. So, I don't know. Very disappointed, guys. To be frank, it's it's just a lot of things right now with this team. Main, to me, the main issue continues to be Billy Butler and Eric Hosmer, and, and the fact that Gerard Dyson now can't find the field with a 42-year-old out there. I, I, don't, I don't get it. We're just going to call it a night for now. So that's it on this edition of Clubhouse Conversation. Thanks for tuning in, and hopefully the Royals will decide to uh, show up tomorrow and get a win. Good night. <laughs>